so we have a project. We have a project. We call it OM Champion Project. Hello everyone, Merry Christmas and welcome to the Marseille View. I'm Stefan, hope you've all had a good holiday. Uh, we are back with the final podcast of the year. Um, a year that we're probably all glad is coming to an end, um, but this is a special edition episode tonight, so in addition to reviewing the recent games against Rennes, Reims and Angers, we're going to do a bit of a mid-season review. So, we, although we're nearly, although not quite at the midway point of the season, but as it's the winter break, there's no better time really to reflect on what's happened so far where we've not got any actual football happening during the holiday season. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at Marseille's performance in the league so far in the Champions League as well. And we're going to look back to the summer Mercato and assess how our signings performed in that first half of the season. And we'll also look ahead to the second half of the season in 2021 and discuss the upcoming January transfer window as well. So tonight I'm joined by Ed. How are you, Ed? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Steph. Merry Christmas Ben. Merry Christmas to all our followers. Um, I'm all right, a bit full, put on a bit of weight, but I'm ready to go on this. It's been uh, only over two months since I was last on here. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Olympiacos game. Which was well, we won't speak about that. Um, so yeah, it's good to be back, and I'm looking forward to discussing the mid-season. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, well, probably a similar mid tonight, um, and um, glad you're stuffing your face well. Um, it's about the only thing you could really do right now, isn't it? Because we can't go anywhere. Um, <laughs> no, exactly. I, I've kind of amazed myself on how much I've managed, how much sausages and chocolate I've managed to eat the last few days. It seems to be the theme of my holidays: sausages and chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm also got Ben with oh, us well. as well. Sorry, Ben. You're right. Merry Christmas, Ben. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Merry Christmas to all. Um, yeah, I've, I've, it's pretty low key for me. I mean, I'm in France this year with my dad's, um, and it's. It, we, we, I think last year we we overdid it, and this year we were just pretty happy to just have a couple of glasses of wine, some foie gras, some smoked salmon, and and you know turkey and veg. Really, it was pretty low key, and I don't feel as bloated or as or as sick as I did the last few years. So. Been good. It's just so, a shame about the uh, the, the, the running. Yeah, absolutely. So Turkey, I didn't know the I didn't know the Turkey in France for Christmas. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's Chapon, So it's um it's like Turkey Crown. Uh-huh. Um, but it's, it's yeah, it's either that or um, uh, you know, roasts of, of varieties. I mean, my dad usually does a beef Wellington, but it yeah. just can't be asked this year. There's only two of us. It's, it's pointless, really. It's too big, and it's you end up eating it for a week. <laughs> well, we we had to we bought a chicken, but it was a big, massive chicken because it's all we could find. And 
when we were still finishing it off today, um, between two and a quarter persons, if you can. Yeah, I don't really fancy eating chicken for a few weeks, to be honest. Like, I'm a bit sick of it, but it's the way it is, isn't it? So anyway, sorry, enough of it, Christmas. Um, yeah, so should we just get started then um, and start talking about Marseille while we're here? So I think since the last time we podcasted, it's been quite a few games, but again, um, it's just because the games are so like jam-packed, you know, they're really like condensed into, um, the fixtures really condensed, sorry, into a um, small amount of time. So I think the first game that occurred after the last podcast was against Wren, Um which was uh, f- the end of our unbeaten run. You know, I think we the last episode we talked about having won six on the trot in the league and following the podcast, um, probably because we talked about it and jinxed it, um, we got beat um, at Wren. So that was a disappointing game, but actually it started pretty well, didn't it? We, we were very much in the driving seat until Papagay got sent off, wouldn't you say so? It's 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 just the classic scenario that seems to happen year after year when we are, you know, in the in the hunt for the, the top of the league or the top positions, and we come up, we're opposed to Lyon, who are also in the hunt. We get Clément Chopin as a fucking referee for a big game, and he, he just ruins it for us with with poor decisions, um, and and completely. Often, more often than not, changes the course of our season, and it's it's just a shame. But you can't you can't shy away from the fact that yes, we started brightly and and Pab Gay, you know, had a fucking solid game. I don't think there's any other word for it. He scored a fantastic goal from the edge of the area, big, you know, nice, powerful shot. Um, he was outplaying Camavinga in the midfield, um, and, and everybody up front looked up for it. I mean, Benedetto missed missed a chance or two that would have obviously made us look a bit more comfort, comfortable. I think Tovar missed a chance as well. But, but again, you, Ren were doing nothing before they, we went down to 10 men. And, and the issue is that not only did we go down to 10 men, but we resorted to doing nothing as well. And we just stopped playing in the second half. I mean, Jarman came on and it was pretty much damage limitation, try and hold on to the 1-0. Um, and it, it just backfired on us badly because then, you know, we are I, I, I sort of... Fullbacks got exposed quite a few times by overlapping runs by Ren, and they got two crosses and scored two goals. So it leaves a sour taste in the mat in the mouth because of the way the match unfolded. But you know, yes, we can blame the ref all we like, but it, it just exposes again that we we, we don't have a, a game plan when we're at a disadvantage. Hmm. Yeah, um, Ed. What about you? Have you got any thoughts on that game? Um, I think once once we went down to ten minutes, it was game over. Really, um, we were holding pretty well once again. Scored. We we had a game plan. We we knew what we were going to do. We we're going to have to keep Ren shut uh, because we all know Ren's are a very, very good side. But the t- the sending off really changed everything. And it was a ridiculous sending off. I mean, Clement Turpin is known for really awful decisions, but that took the biscuits. Um, it was a ridiculous yellow card. It was a stupid red card. The game just went not our way after that. Rens just pushed on. We sat back, thought we were going to get a point. We blew it. We, we simply blew it. We can blame Clement Durban as much as we like. And it was a disgraceful decision. But the fact is, this team did not 
step up to the plate. If we have a, if you have a team that as good as Rennes, you do not take them lightly. They were in the Champions League as well as us. We know full well what, how they play. We know they can pass it to Camavaggia. He can then get it in. They can get what get, get a goal back. We just didn't have that. We just gave up. We were, we were almost almost sort of handed ourselves in for resignation uh, to a defeat. So I think it was a very disappointing result. At least get a point. For goodness sake. I mean, is it that hard when you take the lead to just step back and part the bus when you're 10? I mean, come on, really? This is... That, that, that's the problem, though, is we, we parked the bus, but we just didn't do anything. And um, I, I think I, I, I will sort of blame AVB a bit because, um, yes, you put Germain on because you know he's going to cover more ground defensively, but you, you've got to put an outlet. You've got to put someone with pace on them. And he just, he just like the, the course of the second half, um, he took every attacking player off. He subbed them all. Um, and then we were just left with nothing going forward. So if you're not going to put, you know, at least maintain the semblance of threats when you do get manage to clear the ball and, and clear your lines and and, um, and and maybe mount a counter attack. But he just he just didn't even fancy doing that by the looks of it. We just we just, you know, he went full full Mourinho, anti football, and it backfired. Yeah, I guess I guess with the. Sorry, Ed, you wanted to go in there? Certainly, certainly did. But that's AVB. He's just lost his mind as of late with tactics and the way he's acted uh, in the media. So what, what do you expect? This guy is a power shot Mourinho, uh, if, you ha- if I have to put it lightly. So what do you expect? You expect stupid decisions. Mm. I guess like we managed to pull that off, though, against um, Lyon and got, a, and got a point, didn't we, earlier on in the season. But it does feel like... It did feel in that game that we were always going to get beat when Gay got sent off. I don't know. I think there's something about um, the mental state of the team at the moment. Um, I just I didn't, never had faith that they would they could pull it off. And yeah, it just it didn't look as inspired as we looked against Leon. You know, against Leon, we still looked like we were fighting. We were going to fight to the end to to get something from the game. And um, we still were able to counter as well at times, and nearly nicked it. Um, yeah, we were completely flat. So it, it, it was it was disappointing, dis- despite the fact that it had been ten men. And I think it's for me anyway. This it did feel like a turning point. It felt like mm, I think this because we were constantly talking about how oh, if we win these two games in hand, we could go top. You know, we keep picking up wins, and this wasn't just the end of a series, was it? It, it really did feel like. Mm, fuck, maybe we're kind of going on to about we're going to get, get you know start to see some disappointing results come in, um, which is the case, and I guess leads me to the next game, which was against uh, Reims, and another disappointing game. I mean, albeit a very different game, but um, this is one where we came away with a point, so we it was it ended one one, um, but. <sighs> From pretty early, early on, we found ourselves chasing the game, didn't we? Courtesy of more mistakes, really, from from you know from certain individuals that <laughs> that, that we shall name. <laughs> we shall name them. But um, yeah, I guess, I guess the recurring theme after the sending off against Hen and and the last two games after that. I mean, you know, bearing in mind when I when I looked at the stats, I. I, I Knew that we'd always struggled against Hans and Andreas since they've come back up from from Ligue 2. 
But Jesus, they, they are our two bogey teams. I mean, we just, I think we've only beaten the last ones at the Velodrome since they've come back up and they've, they've got three wins there. Um, and Angers as well. I mean, we won there last year um, with, you know, intelligent, we sort of beat them at their own game and um, sat deep and let them have the possession. But they, they just completely ran us off the park. But we'll, we'll, we'll cover that. I guess Reims is, is another one where we, we were putting pressure on them and, and trying to score, and we did have a few chances to score, and then uh, just, just a moment of madness. Dimitri Payet knows there's only two defenders behind him in in the centre circle. A free kick gets cleared by by Hans, and, he, and he tries a you know a ridiculous dribble, very poor execution, very slow, you know, very predictable. Gets the ball nicked off him, and credit to to Hans, they were straight in there on the counter attack and. You know, if Nagatomo doesn't touch that ball, you get the feeling the striker would have put it in anyway. But um, you know, it's just, it's just as you said, Steph, it's just individual mistakes and we put ourselves on the back foot. Yes, we then go to go on to equalise and, and played quite well at the end of the first half. But I think the theme is, is burnout. The second half, the players looked knackered. They looked clueless. There were no ideas. There was just too much lateral play. Um, and and it, it's, it, it's just really weird that we were on a run of six consecutive wins and, you know, beaten some good teams like Monaco and, um, I mean, we, we won away in Strasbourg. Yes, it was a poor performance, but we, you know, we had a solid run going and then suddenly one, one bad event and everybody down to tools and everybody looked completely burned out. Okay. Um, Ed, have you got any thoughts on that game? Um... Yeah. I don't think we, we, we didn't play well. You do not play down to your competition for a start, but we know how good Rams are at the Belgium. and they beat us on opening day last season, so we know exactly how good they were. Yes, they were in a slump. They're not, they aren't playing fantastic at the moment, but they were in the Europa League slots last season. We shouldn't have uh, put them down as a must, as an easy win. The fact is, the players got sloppy. Payet should have never, ever dribbled in the circle. You get that ball out and move it up to your goal. You do not think. I will dribble around and give it to the Rennes defenders, which will put my defenders under attack and force Nagatomo to get the blame for that own goal. It's frankly ridiculous. You do not play down to your company. That is the problem. You could say burnout. You can say left, right, and say, oh, the players are knackered, the players are shattered. It's not that. It's simple arrogance. Simple arrogance thinking these guys will be a simple touch because they're in a relegation zone. I'm sorry. They didn't play that great. They were chasing the game from then on. It's, it's too late. You know, you can't, you can't pap, pap, tap yourself on the back. Yeah, I tried hard, I tried hard. You should have never played down to your competition to start. That's why we lost the game. We lost it also because of burnout. As bad, it's, it's simple as. Well, we, we, drew, we drew against Hans, but um, I think I interestingly, um, you know, Tovan had an outburst, did he, to the, the, the journalist in, in his post-match interview saying, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a bit fed up because we, we, we're not decisive enough. We play too many lateral passes. Too many players are just, you know, just doing, going through the motions and um, I'm angry at my teammates. And AVB, you know, criticised him for it and then benched him for the following match. So, um, you know, I think Tovan makes a good point, but don't, don't say that in front of the fucking cameras, mate. Say it in the changing rooms. But don't don't have a public outburst like that. I mean, it just it just felt like, um, you know, suddenly everybody's very frustrated and, and everybody's on edge, and that translates on the pitch. And I don't think we looked 
like we were going to score it all in the second half, even though we were we were in their half quite a lot and um, attacking their goal. I don't remember a, a single clear chance or a single decent shot on goal in the second half. So it was just very frustrating. Yeah, that was a shit game to be honest. I, I actually think looking at these last three games, they just got gradually shitter and shitter. Um, and this one. Yeah, we wouldn't, I didn't really feel like we were going to win the game at any point. But, as I say, the game after is even worse. So, our last game, I think it was, it was, 20, was it the 23rd, wasn't it? It was just right before Christmas. We played Angers. And for me, this was probably our worst performance of the season. Bar maybe the last 15, 20 minutes, I guess, where we looked like we actually had, you know woken up a little bit um, and remembered that we were in a football game but the first sort of 75 minutes we were pretty dire and it was I, I felt like it was quite embarrassing to see us get outplayed by Angie. Um yeah so this ended in another in another defeat what are your thoughts on, on the game at Angers 2-1 well, just just relieved it didn't completely fuck up Christmas for a lot of us, but it you know it sort of did. It puts a downer on you, but embarrassing with the words, Steph. You, you said it. Embarrassing. You, you cannot start a game the way we started the game, which was late on all the late in in all the fifty fifties. We were nowhere to be seen um, when it came to you know marking and defence, and, and it, it just went from from insult to injury. Not only are Andre playing with us to park, but we we made. You know, Luis Luis Johnny looked like fucking Ronaldinho for forty five minutes, and and he's you know he's he's a shit player. This is a good point. He was shit I th- at the fact that he scored a goal against and us. Assisted, he assisted the first one as well. I mean, when was the last time he scored a goal? Exactly. I can't even remember. So it's just it, it, that adds insult to injury of thinking, fuck me, this guy. We're making him look like Ronaldinho, and it's probably the only two goals. You know, only only goal he's going to score in the next three months, but. You know, you're 2-0 down at half-time and you thought, I got to half-time thinking, fuck me, this could have been 3 or 4. It could have been 3 or 4. And then we, you know, we come back in the second half, don't show much, you know, much better. We're not we're not better, but, you know, I think I, I single out Angier. He was, you know, he was absolutely dog shit in the first half and he, he gets, yes, he gets his first goal for the club in the second half and played a bit better, but, you know, Payet, fucking anonymous, um, Benedetto was just isolated because, you know, very strangely as well. I think Sylvain was being punished for his outburst after the, the half game. But he, him and him and Benedetto had a good partnership going. You know, they've assisted each other in the last five six games for goals and scored. So he was completely isolated. Got very very little of the ball. Um, I, I actually, you know, when we saw the lineup, I think Germain started didn't he? and I was thinking, well, you know, finally Germain. In a four-four-two with with another striker, maybe you know, maybe we're going to see something decent. Maybe AVB's got something up his sleeve, but it was just absolutely dreadful. And I think it's you know, bar our Champions League games, it's probably our worst game in in Liga under AVB. Um, Ed, did you enjoy the game against Angers? Um, I'm kind of, I'm very grand, uh, very uh, thankful that my stream uh, petered out midway through the second half. Uh, because the first half was truly, truly awful. Um, it seems a case again of playing down to your competition. 
you may think Angers are not very good. You may think Angers are, as Ben said, shit, they're not the best team in the world. But you never played Antwerp, and you must never do that. And unfortunately, we did. We let the four, we let let the fours of Angers run that game. They hammered us right from word go. There was no sense of fight. There was no sense of determination. There was no sense of we must win this. We must win this game. We had a chance to get a point. Payet missed a missed the penalty. The, Goalkeeper knew exactly where he was knew exactly where he was going by going the right. The goalkeeper knew it straight away. That is criminal. You do not do that. And besides which, Payet shouldn't be taking the penalties for a start. He missed one in the Champions League. That put us behind against against Porto. You should not take penalties when you miss one. Simple. I, I'm I'm one of these superstitious people, so it's my way of thinking, but you should have given it's a better death to you should to Darrow take the penalty when you need to get it back in. It, it seems to me a case of there's no fight. There's just yeah. there's no it's fight. That's the thing one. I got. There was no. Yeah, it's a difficult it? one with the penalty because he, he then scored two good ones against Olympiacos. But I think the the over the overarching theme that you're right when you say you shouldn't have taken it is you should it should be players who are you know who are, who are on form who should be taking these chances and taking these penalties. And Benedetto seemed like the obvious candidate because he's been on re, you know good goal scoring run recently. And, and as you say, Ed, you, you just give it to Payet, who, again, very nonchalant. And it's not fuck me, mate. Are you going to wake up? It's been six months now that you've been dog shit. Well, four months since the start of the season. Um, you know, he, he and it pisses me off even more that he had that outburst in the press as well. Well, not an outburst, but he gave like a sort of half satirical interview where he says, oh, I lose weight every time I score goals. You know, people in Marseille worship me after I score two penalties against the Lampiakos when they were slating me. That's just the way this club works. Well, no, mate. Fucking get your ass into gear. Stop being a petulant fucking diva and, and do, you know, work in, do, put in some work. Put in some fucking effort because we're fed up of you now and we've got, we're stuck with you for another three and a half years and, and we all feel like you've fleeced us and you've done a gaffe to arrow. And, and got you know got your new contract. Yes, you're getting paid less, but you're still you, you, we're stuck with you. And frankly, I want I'm I'm fucking happy to send you to China this this winter because you've been that shit. Um, it was a pretty disappointing end to the season. To be, I'm not season, sorry, the year to lose such a uh, I don't want to disrespect Angers, but to lose to the opposition that we should be picking. You know we should be winning against. Um, if you look at the, the the quality that we have available, the money that we have to you know that, that's built our squad, it's very disappointing to yeah to not only lose them but as I said to be outplayed by them and to put in such a tepid performance. And it really did. I guess um, for me it did sort of isn't it is an appropriate end to the to the year because we've seen how it was going those last few games. Um, the performances, you know, were getting worse. Um, we were struggling more and more to to pick up points. I kind of knew we were going to lose that game actually, following the, the the two previous games. So I'm kind of not surprised. It seemed like it was it was going that way for us. Um, but nonetheless, it's still shocking. And we now lose the position that we have, even though we still have those two games in advance. We even if we win them, we're not going to be top now. We're behind Lyon. I think we'll be behind PSG as well in that sense, but we can go top. So and Lille, 
Yeah, know, but, but, but yeah, that's what that's what's worrying, isn't it? Is that these last three games we've lost two, drawn one, and they've all picked up points. Yeah, so we, actually, you're right. We would be best still behind all three of those if we if we won both games. Um, so yeah, we, uh, I mean, maybe we'd never deserve to be in that position anyway. Because let's face it, we've all been complaining all season about our performances, and I guess that kind of leads us to the the mid season review. Um so yeah, it'd be good to kinda of look further back beyond those three games and sort of think about how we've performed all season. Um yeah, so um I think maybe we'll just I'll try and start from near enough the beginning if we can. Um so we sort of came into the the season I think with a pretty uh, you know, we we started off slowly, didn't we? Um, after, well, I guess what was a sort of how, how do I say underwhelming transfer window, which we will look at later. And we kind of started the season off in a similar way that we did last year, and that we kind of took a little while to sort of get going, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it. it, it the problem is, it's been. One step forward, two steps back this season, um, and and there's I think there's three three notable um, examples of that. You know, we, we beat PSG for the first time in ten years. You know, solid performance, very good defensively. Um, we, we actually you know got inside their heads, made them lose their cool, and we beat them at their own game. We sort of bullied them off the park, and then we lose at home to Saint-Étienne for you know three days later. Um, same against Lyon, we go one nil up, and we look like we're gonna, you know, we're gonna pull off another AVB away game masterclass and, and beat them in, in their home grounds. But and then Pyatt gets sent sent off, yeah, a bit harshly, but also a bit of a stupid challenge. And and you draw that game, and then suddenly, you know, you draw games against Mess at home where you're absolutely shit. You just drop points when when you look like. You were building up, you know, you, you, the momentum was there and, and you felt like that was the game where if you'd have won it, you could have kicked on from there. But it's just been setback after setback. And then you, you add that to the, the dismal, dismal Champions League campaign and it's it's not been very positive. I think if we think back to this time last year when we did the, the mid-season review, you know, we'd won eight games on the bounce. We, we were playing some amazing you know, really high-pressing football in November and, and December. Sanson Rongier were, were really smashing it. Camara was on fire. Um, but compare it to this season, and it's just not... It, it's the complete opposite, where, you know, uh, every player's had two or three games where they've looked good. But they're just... Everybody is too inconsistent. And, and AVB is too inconsistent as well. And that's that's worrying... Um, when you look at yes, where where our ambitions lie, but it's also worrying where you, you compare to last season as well. But the fact is, last season, yes, we won game after game after game, but our, our rivals were nowhere to be seen. Lille were struggling, Lyon were dog shit, Rennes were, were overperforming, and, and you know looked like they might have captured us towards the end, and Lille as well. But the season ended prematurely. But you look, you compare back to this season. You know, Lille are on on, on fire, Lyon are on fire. PSG have struggled a bit, but you just know that with what's happened there, they're going to get Pochettino in and probably a couple of signings, and they're going to they're going to be ten points clear by by end of March. Um, it's just very worrying that that 
we are under pressure this year because our rivals are winning and we, we don't have a comfort of, of, you know, a few points. Yes, we've got two games in hand, but, you know, I'm looking at loss. I'm very worried. I'm thinking they're going to beat us because, they're, they're, you know, they've beaten quite a few big teams and they've put in some good performances and, they're, you know, they're, they're a team that has the momentum and they're going to stay up. Um, and the other one is Nice, where, yes, they're going to hire a new manager by then. And they're probably going to sign a couple of players this January. And it's, it's suddenly, you look at it and go, well, I don't think we're going to get six points from those games. We'll probably get three. If that, we'll probably win one of them, lose the other. So uh, I'm, I'm quite worried that a season that was supposed to be, you know, step up after a successful season next year, season's... Again, struggling to capitalise on what was, you know, overall a, a good season last year with some really good results and some decent performances. We've, I feel like we've gone backwards this season, and that worries me. Do you think, guys, that um, COVID's played a big factor in this, though? Because if you think about it, our opening game of the season was cancelled um, or postponed. Our some of our pre-season was disrupted as well because of COVID outbreaks. So we came into the season not very well prepared and I think by the time we played our first game we'd had quite a few weeks without any action because of the first game and the pre-season games being being cancelled because of um, the early COVID outbreaks that we had in the squad and, and I think as well from opposition. Um, so yeah, do you think that that has impacted how ready we were for this season? Well, yeah, but well, yes and no in terms of the the, the rhythm, probably, but but it it's, it leads you back to the same problem, and this is where it's kind of weird. When you know, I was thinking the players look tired and they look drained, and yes, we've been playing every three days for the best part of three months, but we had you know we had two week, two and a half weeks off um, after the, the first round of Champions League games, the international break, then our game against Nice was postponed as well. So you're sort of thinking, well, fatigue, fatigue shouldn't really be an, uh, an excuse here because, you know, yes, they're professional players, um, but it, it's at the same time, yes, COVID's played a big part. I think the major thing COVID's impacted us is having an empty stadium, which doesn't help us for the big games. And, you know, doesn't, I think it's kind of strange, isn't it, that the one time the players finally got going again and we put this run of wins together was after the fans actually confronted them and they were reminded that we're still here, we're still watching you guys and we're still fucking expecting you to perform. So, you know, stop thinking that you're not under pressure because we're, we're pissed off and we're disappointed at what you're doing on the pitch. And I think they're, they're missing that extra, you know, that extra motivation and pressure. So that, that doesn't help the team. But again, it's... I put it down to mainly not 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 COVID. I put it down to poor transfer window where we've we've not you know we don't have enough depth in the squad to be able to rotate and bring in players that are at the same levels as the starters. And AVB is, is just looks a bit you know a bit nervous. He looks on edge. He's, last year he was Mr. Cool, Mr. Composed, and this year he's you know he's picking fights with journalists and shit. And it's like fuck. Everybody is stressed. He's um, lost a plot a bit before though hasn't he in his time in England I think he, he's someone that when under pressure kind of loses a bit although he always comes across as being very measured and um, calm and always talks with reason but actually 
he loses it when things get tough and it's not the first time we've seen it and we're, I think this year we're, this season we're seeing that he's starting to kind of um, lose control of things. Um, Ed, it'd be good to hear your thoughts on the season so far, like what kind of, um, mm. yeah, I don't know, what kind of feelings are you having about what we've been seeing? Well, I recently uh, wrote a post piece for this for uh, Get France Football News, if you uh you want to check it out it's on my it's on my twitter feed um it, it seems to be two very different sides we have the sides which are sublime ones the one against psg broke that massive broke that really long drought beating bordeaux by three goals to one which was an incredible performance probably i would say one of our best performances so far this season and then you get performances like we've seen in europe and we've seen uh, in, in the past in the past week or so it's it's been shocking it it's, it seems to be a team that, as as Ben said, degrade rather than progress. Um, as for the COVID question, I think there is a problem that the players might be fatigued because there is always the thought of long COVID. Um, if you look at numerous athletes such as Lewis Hamilton, who had it, he's suffering from long COVID. Um, Alan St. Maximum at Newcastle, a couple of Newcastle players, the, the Scouts, he's struggling with it. So it may be there's a real reason behind it. And as for the preparation side, well, every other club in Europe and in the world in general had that problem that they weren't going to get as much game that they would like. I think, unfortunately, the fact is we've been we've been found out like so many teams do. Uh, we were really getting exposed early March before the pandemic hit uh, when we drew two with uh, with, with Amiens. Um, was it on jersey? You can correct me if you wish. Um, for me, it's just, it seems to me the club is stuck. It is, it's stuck in thinking, oh, we're in the Champions League, but we shouldn't really be here. There's, there seems to be an on-edge atmosphere from the fans, from the players, certainly with AVB, as, as Ben said. I think, unfortunately, it's, it's the case players who have got too complacent, uh, poor signings, dreadful tactics, and really just a lack of a lack of squad harmony. You know, when you've got your your top players calling each other out uh, in the media after matches, that w- must not provide a very good atmosphere in the dressing room. And therefore, that translates to the younger players, especially, who want to make their way up in the club. Uh, but, yeah, you, you can call that. You can act as lazy as you want. Because some of those players have just simply not shown up. Uh, you look at the Messrs. Payet, uh, Messrs. Uh, Benedetto, they've not been on for. Um, you can look at the games against Lyon where discipline was lacking. It was even more so again the um, the way match against sorry, at home to, to Porto when they went what, ten, 10 men. We got a chance to get at least a point, and Ballarat does this ridiculous foul, which sees Porto just strengthen their lead and practically wins them the game. But, I mean, we saw from opening day that things were not great. Great when we were um, we we were up against Nimes, where it wasn't a very good, it wasn't a very good performance. We you know we let in two goals near the end and it got very dicey. So I think it's been a long problem. Correct me if is it was it Brest or Nimes? Come on, if you correct me on that. But it was a I know we won three two on the, on the opening day. It feels like it just goes since August. Um, for me, it's been a it's been a bit of a shocking shocking track backwards step. 
we need to get it right for the second half because I can see Leon, I can see Leo, I can see uh, PSG really pushing on now that they've got the momentum on their side. And therefore, it could mean that Marseille are in a bit of trouble. So we need to see a big spending spree in, in January, within reason, of course. OK, um, moving away from the league for a minute, just thinking about the Champions League only, we waited a long time to see Marseille um, return to the Champions League, what, seven years, I think it was, since we'd last played in it. Um, yeah. It was worse than what we could possibly have imagined, wouldn't you say? I know some of us had a f- had fears that we were going to get battered again, like the last time we were in it. But it really was bad, wasn't it? We were we were we got an easy group as it was easy as a group we could have got, and we were fucking awful. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, do you feel surprised at how it went? Um, shocked, underwhelmed? I don't know. What were your feelings about our Champions League outings? It's just just sad. It's just sad. It's. I mean, yes. You know, if you, you look at the results, and um, you know, you'd expect to to get battered by City, um, but but it's beyond the results. It's just the performances. It was just. It, it's like the players were like deers in the headlights, and and you just think, Jesus, do you realise this? This is the Champions League. Do you realise the level and the concentration that you've got to be at? To, to play in this competition and to stake a claim for why you're there. And it just, they just looked like they weren't up for it. It looked like the players were terrified and, and not, you know, not realizing the, the, the showcase event that it is. And it's, it, it was just, I, I, all those words you've used are the right ones, underwhelming, shocking. Um, beyond the results, it's just the performances and, and the lack of extra motivation and, and drive. Um, you know, you've had the Pyatts and the Tovar and, and Modolba who've, who've played this competition before. And you look at them and go, Jesus, mate, I mean, fuck me. Is this what you want your legacy to be? Because, yes, Tovar would all remember your goals and assists that you've provided for the last four years. Good, thank you. But I'll remember that he's, you know, he's only won one Champions League game since he's been at the club. And you go, well, it's not, you know, you're not at the level that, that, that you think you're at. None of you. So if you're if you're you know banking on that competition as you know a, a ticket for to a bigger club or, or a big transfer, all of you fucked up. Um, you know I, I look worryingly at, at Chaletta Sarr particularly, who was not very impressive at all during the Champions League campaign. I think he only played three games out of the six in the end, and he was he was very poor in all of them. And this is a player that last season. We were, you know, we were, we were saying, yeah, you know, bright future, had a solid season, um, you know, Croatia international, play the World Cup final, you know, price tag of at least thirty-five to forty million for a Premier League club, and, and you, you look at that and go, that's probably half now. So it's worrying on the aspects that, for the club, it's supposed to provide a, a window, you know, shop window for these players. If this is the project that Iro is now doing with Longoria, which is you know, two point oh. Phase two, whatever he called it, which is going to be probably trading. Um, well, your facts. If your players don't perform on the biggest stage and don't, you know, don't show that they they have the level to perform on that stage, you can't you can't then turn around and expect to sell them for forty million. That's the biggest problem. Mm. What about you, Ed? Right? I don't know. What's your assessment of our Champions League performances? Pretty pretty dismal. Um, 
when we got the group, I initially thought we could at least get seven points. I thought we could beat Olympiacos home and away. And I thought we could scrape a point out of Porto. But I knew we would get battered by City. And we got battered uh, 3-0 on both. But the lack of fight was appalling. This is the biggest club competition in the world. And you don't show any fight? When are you ever going to get married? When are we going to stand up and say, right, lads, this is the biggest club competition in the world. Let's go out there, grab the game by the balls, and let's get some three points. Let's try and get as much momentum as we can before we play City. The City games as well, we knew we weren't going to... There was, there was no hope of winning, but there was no, there was no fight. City just waltzed, waltzed over us. But the Olympiacos game, what, what was going on with the home leg? You know, they pretty much dominated and then they got like We were lucky in the way at, in, at home because of the fact that Payet got a couple of chip shot penalties and, you know, we won the game. Not that it mattered because we blew our chance of getting a point against Porto, which we needed. But there seemed to be no sense of, from the senior players, to say to these younger lads who are tipped for very bright futures in Europe, in other clubs around you, not to turn around, get them by the scruff of the shirt and say, come on, you've got to put this in. You want to move to a big club, you've got to try. You've got to build your legacy. The world scouts are what, watching. You've got to show to them why you're worth 30, 40 million. If you don't do that, you can forget it. You have to stay here for the rest of your career. They didn't show it. There was the new signings as well. Cassades, we all ranted and raved about Michel Cassades. Where was he? Dimitri Payet, where was he? You know, we have this, we have this habit of playing absolute it's heaven or hell for Marseille in Europe. Um, if you remember the last Europa League camp where we had a reasonably difficult group, but we were the finalists. We were expected to do better and lose to Apio Limassol in the last game and then lose to Frankfurt twice and get stuffed. Well, that, it seems to me a case that we just downplay it in Europe. We, we can't be, which is a real shame because we are like. Uh, this club was fighting for European success. This club was one of the, of the brightest stars in Europe. And to see it in its state now is, it's frankly, it's depressing. Um, what happens now? Do you, oh, I think we would have done well enough in the Europa League. I don't seldom think we would. But it's a crying shame, the fact there was no fight. There was no, there was no sense of game plan from any any part of that dressing room or on the coaches and that's what really infuriates me you know just touching on a couple of things you said um, made me think about you know with the Champions League like we all waited for this and um, maybe we we all recognised that we weren't you know strong enough to come through the group but it's very frustrating like because even though you, you know that we're limited you still expect to see effort, I guess, and that that was something that was really missing. And I know that we talked about this in previous podcasts. You know, some of us were saying that like we're crap this year, but um, maybe the way that we become more effective in the Champions League is we build up that experience, and we just need to concentrate and getting in the Champions League. And that's kind of how I feel. But then I. So, 
sometimes I don't feel like that. Sometimes I feel like, you know, fuck, I've been waiting for this for years. Isn't this what it's all about? The whole reason why you want to do well in the league is so you can get into the Champions League, perform at the highest level. I've been waiting for this, like, virtually, like, as long as I can remember, you know, since I was a kid, since I started supporting them at the club, just as we, our good years were finishing, and I've, you know, endured years of shite, and, you know, you follow them every year, hoping that we're going to somehow get back towards that level, and then, we, you know, after a large gap, we finally get in that competition again, and it's just like, what's the point? Like, what's the even point of this? If that's what we're looking forward to, if that's what we're hoping for, is this. It's very disappointing. And so the players that I feel, and the coach, I feel really let down by. I feel like the effort wasn't there. I feel like the coach is kind of very defeatist and his attitude for me is very problematic. He is not, he doesn't seem to be inspiring his players to to go out there and 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 play with heart. He seems to be too vocal about their limitations, too too pessimistic. And I just feel like his attitude might be largely to well, a large part of the reason why um the on the pitch the the players you know play with their heads down in those kind of games against Man City and so on. They don't have that belief that they can actually go and do something so I, I do really blame him as well I'm just not really sure that this is working um, and the Champions League really highlighted that for me that this whole project um, and the current management just uh, for me just isn't I'm, 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 it's not working for me anymore I'm, I'm, I've just kind of lost faith in it all anyway um, I've probably said too much there about the Champions League Um Ed, you touched upon the signings actually, so I thought maybe this is a good moment to sort of go through the the summer arrivals and just sort of give a assessment of how they how they've got on. So if we look at the defence, we start with um, Leonardo Balerdi. So he was the um, signing that we made at centre half um, on loan from Borussia Dortmund. How do you think he, he's he's sort of performed how's he settled in for you trash just absolute trash you think so just awful awful. just no clue to do like a bambi in a like a bambi at the moment he's all over the place he's running around like a headless chicken get himself sent off he needs to calm (laughs) down for heaven's sake man it is not a game to survive it is a league art match get in your head this is not a time to freak out. You're when did he get sent off? Against Porto. Oh, I didn't see that game, so... Uh, well, I did, unfortunately. Um, you need <laughs> to calm down. That's what you need to do, calm down. You've got other defenders there who can easily get in your slot and then keep it permanently. If you're going to keep sliding in like an idiot, you're going to lose that slot. And you're going to be sent back to Dortmund with your tail between your legs. So, I'm sorry, I've got to say it as it is. It has been utter terror. It has been utter trash. <laughs> and I'm, he's got to be careful. He's got to produce better second half. I want to eat that humble pie. I want a big slot at the moment. I don't think I'm going to be baking it. <laughs> so, <I don't>... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. 
mean, I thought he was all right. To be honest, I thought he was crap the first couple of games he came in, and then exactly, I, I thought he, he was improved, pretty good after he? that. But I, I didn't see he's the poor games. He's scored so. a goal. He, you know, he gets himself. He, he's a menace from set pieces. I think he's been okay for for a player that's got less than you know twenty five games of professional football before joining us. And after his first couple of outings, I was thinking, fuck me, who is this guy? But, you know, he's come on, he's been okay, he's still, you know, he's put in a job um, in, in those that run of six games in the league when, when we win, you know, he's put in a couple of, of pretty solid performances, he's bagged the goal away to Lorient where we win the game. You know, I'm, I'm relieved, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm excited or, or optimistic, I'm relieved that he's, he's not the pep player that he looked like he was after the first couple of games, but yes, oh, you know, on, based on what we've seen, should we keep him? Um, only if he continues to progress and, and, you know, produces probably another five solid performances in, in the second half of the season, and we can maybe get him for another year on loan or get him for cheap, then yes, fine. But yeah, he, he, he's been okay. I, I think he's far from being the worst, worst signing we made last summer. I, I, I agree with everything you just said, uh, Ben. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure about him start, but I I think there's something in him. Yeah, I think there's something there. He's, I think he's got a lot of potential, but yeah, we just haven't seen enough of him, maybe. So let's, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't commit to buying him just yet. I think we need to wait and see how he gets on. Um, yeah, harsh, Ed. And the next one is. I mean, Nag- I mean, given given what you said about about Belardi, Ed. I mean, um, let, let's hear your thoughts on Nagatomo. Yeah, exactly, Nagatomo, Ed. <laughs> what do you make of Nagatomo? For a minute there, I thought, is he talking about Nagatomo? He must be talking about Nagatomo. <laughs> <laughs> Been awful as well, but he has the fact that he's got age on his, um, so he's probably going to be a bit slower. It seems Nagatomo was just a panic buy to try and build depth in what was a hopeless quest to try and stay alive in, in Europe. But no, he looks just lost. He looks tired. He looks out of breath at the time. He does not look used to AVB's system. He needs to up it really badly because he looks just... He looks just... This is the kind of defender you do not need hanging around. Which is a shame because Nagatomo is well-travelled. He's well-seasoned in European football. So you would have thought he would have brought a bit of knowledge into that dressing room and help the younger lad. Clearly not. Um, it's a, he's he's too, he's too seasoned, isn't he? That's the problem. Mm, Can he even he speak does, any French? So, uh, uh, you know, you're bringing an experienced player. Um, one of the things that you expect them to bring is leadership, um, reason, I don't know, wisdom. Experience, yeah. um, with his experience, but if he can't, commu- I don't know. Can he even communicate with the players? I don't know. So, well, I think he, he you know, played in Italy. I think he, he's got decent level of Italian, so I think he can, you know, he can understand the grass. He, he could probably just speak problem, Italian maybe. with a French accent and maybe get away with it. Yeah, but I, 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 it's not the main problem. The problem is he's, he's fucking over the hill. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's, it just looks like the Patrice Evra signing, but without, you know, the fact that. Ever was an absolute prick, but it just looks like what it looks like is we've signed him to, to you know boost our, our image in, in Japan because with um, with Hanover '96 German club we're the only two European teams that've got more than one Japanese player in our squad. Um, so it just looks like a marketing coup. 
which is fine if if you bring him in and you've got the depth to to not have to play him that often. But we've seen it in the last four three games. Amavi's been injured. He started those games, scored the main goal in one of them. Um, he's done some things that were okay. I mean, against Monaco, I think he's probably the, the the only decent game he's had for us. But he just looks fucking past it. He looks like he's knackered. He looks like he doesn't know how to position himself anymore. And it, it's just one of those where you go, fuck me, the state of it, you know, that, that we, and, and, and the, to add insult to injury, we finally get, a, you know, backup left back and we lose our fucking backup right back in the same day. So it's it's just like, are we ever going to learn? Are we ever going to, um, you know, get a solid left back? And I, I was looking the other day over the list of the left backs we've had in the last 20 years. I mean, I think Taiwo is the only one that was good. We've had the Gabby, Gabby Haynes was a left back as well. So. Yeah, but he pretty started. He came out. He came in as a centre back, didn't he? So Heinz and Taiwo probably the only good ones we've had. Yeah. Look at the shit we've had in that position. You know, Nag- well we had um, Benjamin Nagata. Mendy as well. I think is a court, was a quality player. Um, yeah, true. Obi, he was a bit young and raw with us, but, but so that's, was Taiwo was was young. Was appeared to be young and raw for an eternity, didn't he? Um, yep. But we've we've had we've had we've had Nakata, we've had Desiglier, we've had Krupovieta, we've had all of these shit shit players, and you go Jesus. I mean, you know, was Nkunku that bad that he couldn't have, have you know played as the backup left back this season, or um, you know even even Rokia? So yes, he's been injured the past month, but is he worse than Nagatomo? Really? Yeah, I mean, you, I've. Said my thoughts on Nagatomo in the last episode. I I think he's completely short. I, I I don't really see the point in him in the squad. I think if, if we've got any sense, we should terminate his contract and bring somebody else in or or play Rockier. Um, it can't be any worse in my opinion. Um, I know. Um, on the last episode, um, Jeremy was saying had some interesting observations about uh, about. Nagatomo and his positional awareness and things like that, but I don't know. I just I don't really. I just see all the f- the the deficiencies in his game, and I I just don't really rate him. I think, as you said, he's very Everest. It's just it's too late for him, for, as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, I, I we probably could talk about Nagatomo for a long time, but I just I'm wary about time. So just kind of moving on to midfield, um, cuisance. Um, came in, didn't he? Um, Maxim Lopez went out. Cuisance came in um, at the end of the Mercato. A player that we'd been looking at for a long time. A player that a lot of people had very high opinions of. How do you think he's performed? Well, considering everyone was overhyping him, because we thought we'd snapped something away from Leeds, not been that great. He started off well, and then it's just gone downhill. I don't think he's brought anything into it. Very much. And this Cousins is supposed to be one of the top young talents in in Europe. For him, for me, it's just not been good enough. He seems to be lost. He doesn't seem that there's any sense of gelling with that side. He seems still stuck in the Bayern way. You're in Marseille, mate. You know you've got to adapt. And for me, I just don't see him doing the job. I think, unfortunately, it's been a bit of overhyping that's gone to his head, and in a way, he's not done that great. Will we keep him after the season? I doubt it. Is he going to improve? I doubt it. I think really I've seen enough of this. You know, we need to think of getting rid of it before he starts to really tank and then is warming up the bench, which we don't need. 
team. We've got enough bench warmers at this club who've been there for years. So in, something needs to change now. But it's been majorly disappointing the first half of the season. Yeah, I've I've got to I've got to eat a lot of humble pie on this one because I was very excited when we signed him. I, I thought he was a you know sort of Gorkuf type player, playmaker, long pass, short pass, um, you know, distributing the play. And we've seen I can't even say glimpses of that, um, but it, it's very underwhelming, very underwhelming, um, and and. Yes, I wouldn't expect him to have scored 10 goals and five assists by now, but it's just the fact that you see him miss passes and make the wrong decisions, and he just seems to be playing backwards a lot of the time. Um, I think he's one of our midfielders that's the most guilty of that, and it's just not what I expected. It's not what I expected at all from what I've seen of him at Borussia Mönchengladbach, and um, some of the games, I think it's easy to say that, yes, you know, you play for Bayern Munich, you, you, you're surrounded by top talent. It's probably easier to, to assist the likes of Nabry and Lewandowski. But, yeah, he, he's um, he's too raw. He hardly ever um, played for them, though. He did, yeah, he didn't. No, you're right. He played less than 15 games, I think, for them. But it's just, he's just too raw. Um, he's not what we... <sighs> He, he he was a good signing to get on loan, yes, but he's not what we needed in that midfield. Um, you know, the next player we're going to discuss is, is what we needed in that midfield. And the fact is, we just seem to have brought in him, Nagatomo, to fill some, some you know, some depth seats on the bench when we've already got Strootman and uh, Rokia. And you're going, well, I'm very surprised that Strootman's had so little game time. Yes, we, we were moaning about him, but last year he was quite decisive in the games he did play, and he's you know, especially in Europe, I would have expected him. He's probably our most capped player in the Champions League in the squad. I would have expected him to start games against Man City, you know, to, to be to be one of those presences to say keep a cool head to everyone else. Um, but yeah, it's just it's been very underwhelming from Trizos, and based on what we've seen so far, are we going to pay the price to, to sign him permanently? <sighs> I'm not that keen on it from what I've seen so far. I've, I guess I've been quite open about my feelings about him as well. On the podcast, I just don't really think he was a good signing. I don't think he's good enough, to be honest. I don't think he really brings anything to the to the team. I mean, on paper, the, some of his qualities appear to be attractive, but as you said, I haven't really seen much of him. Um, he misses a lot of passes. Can we really say that the midfield is stronger with him than it over Lopez? I'm not really sure it is, to be honest. No, and I, I wasn't no, a big, I wasn't a big fan of Lopez. I, I kind of come to the conclusion that Lopez had regressed um, in the last couple of years, but I'm, I don't think Cuisance is an improvement. I, I think if anything, he's a um, a downgrade, possibly at least Lopez will be like he doesn't. I mean, Lopez passes the ball sideways and backwards only, but at least he doesn't give the ball away very often. He doesn't miss his passes. Cuisson seems to miss one in three passes. Um, so it just I mean, probably even more than that. Um, he's just I yeah. yeah I, I don't think he's helped by by the way we play as well because we we you know we we are incapable of breaking teams down. And putting together combinations, it's just too rare that we combine, you know, with like triangles in midfield and that we are able to pick a long pass. I mean, I think a lot of our assists and goals from long passes have come from our centre-backs, for fuck's sake. You can see that, um, but I, I, watching him on the ball just 
looking purely at him and his technique and ability. I don't think his technique is quite as sound as um, we were led to believe. I, I, I don't really think he's got, quite got that tal- the, the level of talent that everyone was making mm, about I'm, I'm not gonna, yeah, I don't think I can make excuses for him, but I think that if you put him in, in a team like Lille or Lyon, I think you'd see a very different player, but again, that's, perhaps, you know, perhaps, that's just speculation. You said... I mean, as far as I can see, you said that um, he's a he was a good loan signing. In my opinion, he was a good loan signing for a, for someone like Ren. No disrespect to Ren or Bordeaux or someone like that, but not for Marseille. Um, sorry, but I, I think he was a poor a poor acquisition. Um, maybe time in time he can become a quality player, but I don't think it's happening anytime soon. Um, so the the next player that came in, um, moving into the attack. Uh, I mean, and before we talk about his arrival, let's just mention that no, but, we saw. Oh, f- forgetting Pap Gay. Oh Pap yeah, Gay. sorry. Yeah, so we did say an army We said Pap Gay from the Av, and he's a player that actually we were talking about we a long time ago, weren't we? Like as a prospective um, arrival because he'd been linked to us for a very long time, and we knew he was available on a free transfer. Um, obviously. Um, I don't think many of us have been following him at have, but we've seen videos of him on YouTube and stuff and liked what we'd seen um, and read some nice things about him. He's been pretty decent, hasn't he? Best summer transfer best summer transfer buyer of this window. Give some fight, give some bite to that uh, midfield. Would would I say he's better than Ronger? He's edging towards it. I think really what you find is a player that is hungry. He wants this. He wants this badly. He wants to show the world why he's one of the, he can become one of the best midfielders out there. And he's given us something that I don't think Strickman could do, which was give that bit of attack, but also defend well in the mid. So you've got to hand it to him. He's done a brilliant signing. Yeah, you could say his red card was careless um, in, the, in the sense that Turpan's a card-happy referee. But you've got to hand it to the lad. He's come in with a fresh sense of optimism. And fighting, he's done. He's been the only signing I've seen from that window that has filled me with promise. You know, he's a young lad. He wants to. He wants to do. He wants to do well. He's come from the talent factory known as Lahav. I think he's done really well. So you've got to hand it to him. You've got to give him kudos for a really good first half of the season. Um, yep, hundred percent. The only problem is, is that he plays the same position as Kamara. Um, or at least that's the position that AVB yeah, likes to play him in. Um, and I, I, do, we, I th- do we honestly think Kamara's going to stay beyond this summer? I've, do you I've think if Pat Gay no. plays like that, he's going to stay beyond this summer? I don't think so. I think people are going well, to be he's only, he's only got a year left on his deal. So this, this the Gay signing looks like we've replaced Kamara. And it, well, more importantly to me, we've replaced finally replaced Zambo Hangisa. We've got a physical, tall player that can run with the ball, take players on, pass it, um, and shoot. Um, I, I, I watched the Fulham um, Crystal Palace game yesterday, and, and Anguita has to be said, he's probably the best player at Fulham, and he's, he is one of the best players in, 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 in midfield players in the Premier League right now. I, I, I can honestly see him signing for a bigger club, either this winter or this summer. But yeah, Gay Gay is the similar is the same profile. Gay is the same profile. He's physical. He can, he can impose um, himself on, on on and dictate the play. Um, I was very impressed that he 
he was better than Camavinga in, in the game we played against Hen. Yes, we only saw one half of him, but he kept Camavinga quiet in the first half. So may he kick on, you know, longer may he continue. And, and I think he's he's going to probably play another two, two, three years for us. But I'm, I'm not. I'm not as concerned as I was that we weren't going to be able to replace Kamara when he does leave. I think Gay can slot into that position very easily. Yeah, he looks a real talent, um, and yeah, for me, I, I think he's a um, um, bigger, much bigger talent than Zambo personally. But um, yeah, so moving on to the attack, we were promised a, a number nine, or we were not promised, but. The, well, actually, towards the end of the Mercato, I think AVB had said that we would get a, a, a striker. Um, and just to, you know, we got Luis Enrique, right, came in. Um, but just to put this into perspective, we were linked with quite a few names. Some of them probably were not, so from, or most of them were maybe not household names for um, for everyone. But one of the names, well, I guess one of them was a, was a guy called Luis Suarez, I think it, who was at Watford, who went, on, who went into Spain, and another one was Darwin Nunes, who we were told, who signed for Benfica, who we were told we were pretty close to signing. He'd, um, I think he'd agreed a, a deal with his club, and then the player opted to, to go to Benfica in the end. And so what we ended up getting was Luis Enrique, um, a young Brazilian, who played very little football, but um, it seemed to be a bit of hype around him. I don't know, guys. What do you think about Luis Enrique? Um, if I go first, I would just say that I'm pretty disappointed as well. But I know we've not seen a lot of him. But I don't. You don't look anywhere near ready to. Or I, I can't really see him playing much football over the, the the course of the season. Just now, I don't know. What do you think? Can someone pick him up from duty free? I don't think I've seen him in the Velodrome once. Um, he look. It seems to be another case of. Um, of Doria syndrome. We all know uh, Doria, once a Brazilian defender, he never played, even though there's a lot of hype coming around from him. So it seems to me Luis Enrique has had that same amount of hype, hype and he's not going to deliver. The fact is, Marse- the Marseille number nine is a cursed role in a way, if you think about it. We haven't had a real proper no- number nine since Gignac left. Um, and so I don't think we should have put too much pressure on a a 19 Brazilian kid from Palmeiras who's probably not had much game time, probably not had much time to develop in his own country, let alone uh, make, make a massive move to France. So I, I hope, I hope that I'm wrong. I hope we give him time. But so far, the signs are far from good, and it looks to be another wasted signing. Yeah, we've we've not done very well with Brazilians at Marseille. Let's be honest. Um, Luis Gustavo is probably the, the the only good one we signed in the last ten years. Dorio is the other one. Dog shit. Um, Enrique, bless him. I think I think what worries me the most, and, and this goes for Cudence as well, is that in the in the past three weeks we've had AVB say about both of them. That we've apparently scouted them extensively, and and we've and he's only just realised now that Enrique can't play number nine; he's a pure winger, and Cuidance isn't a number ten; he's a Sanson type of player. He's a number eight, and it's like fuck me, are we really scouting them well? Because we've now you've now admitted that we've signed two players for positions that they can't fucking play. It seems so to be like points. It seems to be scouting's done after. It seems to be scouting's done on after an alcohol. Uh, you do not. How can you not look 
into your own players, you sign these players and you realise they don't actually play in the position. It's not like you've got a receipt. You can say, oh, uh, didn't play. he's not uh, number nine. He's well, where, where is the scouting? What's going on? I've decided it's all gone. How do you not know that these players do not qualify for positions you need to fulfil? It's ridiculous. I'm sorry. The poor lads have been, been chipped in. They have no idea what they're getting into. They've been playing in the wrong position for what they've been told they were getting. Is it no wonder they're not going to perform? I'm sorry, but it's ridiculous. The scouting team should be all sacked, if that is the case. I think we can all agree that there's been a disappointing Mercato. Um, all, all of the arrivals haven't really kicked on, uh, other than Gay. Um, now, before we... Because, we, I mean, we're probably over time, but... There's a couple of things I wanted to ask you before we move we finish up. So, um, just still thinking about the season gone past. I don't know, guys. What was your highlight of the season so far? Is there any any best sort of moment or performance? Anything that's anything? One thing that stands out for you as a good in a positive way. The only one for me is just winning against PSG. That, that's that's all I could think of. Um, and uh, yes, Gay as well. That he's come in and he's he he is the player that that we hoped he would be, and and he is the best signing we've made. But those are, those are the only two. I think those are the only two positives I can pick out. What were you Ed? Any any highlight? Uh, so I would say the I'd say the PSG game, although that was marred in itself by what happened afterwards with with Neymar and Alvaro. Um, you could say Gay coming in has been a great moment. Uh, because we've inhaled to another star. But there hasn't really been much to ride home about. I'm not feeling as happy as I was last season, so it's been a disappointment. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I agree with both of you. PSG win has got to be the one, isn't it? It's been such a long time. That was sweet, wasn't it? Even if it was a crap game and that we didn't really play much football. But yeah, we, it was, we were all pleased to, to finally get that victory. And yeah, just again, like just thinking about the season going by. If you can tell me who is your so your tops and flops, I want to know who which player you think has been the top, I guess, and who's your flop. Oof, tough. Um, I think I'd pick two for, for the top. You can only pick one. Because, oh fuck! <laughs> You're not making this easy, mate. Um, Gay, gay, because he's the only one who's performed well every time I've seen him play. Okay, and who's your flop? Payet, Payet, just because because you know that he's capable of much better, and it's in his head, and it's in his body, and he's just not not turned up this season. He's just he's still on fucking holiday, um, and I'm 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 even more pissed off at the fact that he's still. You know, he still goes around blowing his trumpet in the press about him being some big shot. You fucking shit, mate. We're stuck with you for another three and a half years, which is, A, going to limit Enrique's chances of, of getting consistent game time and Hadanich as well, even though I think we, you know, we're all past Hadanich now. But you are going to be a, a you know, ball and chain of our, on, in our team because you're not capable of, of behaving like a fucking professional. And someone who goes around thinking that, you know, he, this guy had the fucking armband a couple of years ago, for fuck's sake. And he's, he's just a petulant diva that, frankly, 
as you can't you can look at the whole time he's been at Marseille, he's not won a single trophy, and he's he's been underwhelming uh, uh, more than he's been overwhelming. He's probably played well for 18 months out of the five years he's been at the club. Okay. Um, Ed, what about you? Who's your top and who's your flop for the season so far? Top so far, Guillet. Been a bright start. Been one of the better signings we've had. Flop, Payet. In what is basically, we're going to be having a Euro 2020 and 21. He should be up for this. He should be, he should be fighting every ball. He should be fighting tooth and nail to get into that Fred squad, and he's not delivering. So, so far, Dimitri Payet is the flop. I agree with Gay for the top, for the flop. I think you're going to see Nagatomo just to say something different more than anything. But, no, I mean, <laughs> I expect this with Payet. He's just so up and down. So, yeah, it's annoying. Uh, he's just shit. But for me, Nagatomo was just like, what an unnecessary signing, you know? What, how unnecessary you can, you was it? Because to... off in the flops as well. Yeah, but I'm going to. But I can only pick one, so I, I'll go with Nagatomo. <laughs> I mean, you could pick put a lot of players in the flops. Let's face it. But um, yeah, Nagatomo it was an unnecessary sign, and we lost a what appears to be a good young prospect. We we could we we didn't have much money to bring in, and we just pissed that money out the window on someone for me who's adds nothing to the to the squad. So yeah, that was a waste of time. Um so yeah I'm gonna I'll pick him. Um so yeah just kinda running out of time so just thinking ahead for twenty twenty one, I don't know, what are you what are you expecting? What's your prediction for the remainder of the season? Well, there is a Mercato, isn't there? So AVB has, and, and Longoria have both said, we want to get a striker in for real this time. Will that happen and who will it be? Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, in the last few days, we've been linked with Delors. Um, I do like him, linked. actually. Like, I, I like him as well. But I think maybe I think we should have signed him about three years ago. Exactly. We've missed his, we've missed his um, I think he's passed his peak. And yes, he'll be a good signing, and he'll he'll put effort in. Um, but you know, is he is he going to make his dream? No. Um, I think we've also been linked with Boulaidia from from Haas for the last two years. That he's had a great season so far. Um, I wouldn't mind him because he brings pace. He's a bit of a different profile. But are we are we realistically going to be able to afford these players? I think not. And and I think the last couple of days there's been a rumour that. Um, Sanson has an offer on the table from a Premier League club. The club Marseille have said yes, and it's down to him. So, no idea who the club is, but we could be seeing Sanson leave in the next week or so, if the rumours are true. Um, so, what? I'm, I'm quite concerned at how we reinvest the money because I don't have much faith. I wouldn't say Longoria, but I, I wouldn't have much faith in, in, in based on the summer transfer window. I'm not. I'm not very optimistic on who we will bring in halfway through the season and not many top players are going to be available. They never are in January. Um, it's, it, yeah, I'm just worried. And I, I, I really just, just going off the last three games for 2021, I'm, I'm really doubt. I'm, I'm worried that we're going to get, um, we're going to be, see Lyon and Lille just carry on with their momentum and, and cement those, that top three top three position and we're going to miss out and end up in the Europa League again OK what about you Ed what are you seeing for the season ahead right right let's get straight out of the bat let's set 
says is, we're going to lose the trophy to Champion badly. We aren't going to sign anything we need. We're going to sign pointless amounts of strikers and midfielders. We're going to lose Sanson. We're going to play awful. We're going to play down to the big teams. We're going to fall out of the Champions League slots. We're going to finish about the 6th or 7th. AVB will be sacked. Okay. Um, I mean, it sounds grim. I'm not sure I, I can really disagree with any of that, unfortunately. Um, yeah. I think for me, yeah, same. I think we're probably going to finish 6th, 5th, 6th or something, maybe 7th, even if it... Uh, the way things are going, I don't see us coming in the top three. No, I think the three teams are too good for us, Leo, Leon and, and PSG at the moment. Although, Leo, I've, it looks like Leo might end up selling half a team in January, doesn't it? So maybe they'll fall apart, who knows. Um, yeah, so I don't see us getting in the Champions League. And in terms of the Mercato... Then I don't. I bet you we don't sign anybody. I, don't, I bet you we don't sign a striker. I don't think we'll be able to get anyone in. That I don't know. I just I can't see it happening. We get all money. Yeah, man. If you if you sell Sanson for twenty or twenty five. Yeah. Sorry. No, so sorry. I was just saying if you sell Sanson for twenty million or twenty five million, then then maybe you can do something. But yeah, it's not going to happen. And I I think. Um, He's one of these guys that's forever for sale, but we'll never <laughs> ship him until it's too late and he's worth nothing. Yeah, I think a lot of clubs are going to be hesitant as well in the in the January transfer window because of the economic crisis. I think a lot of English clubs especially might end up being a bit hesitant, just thinking ahead about um, the impact of Brexit as well and stuff. So um, I don't I don't know. I just don't see it happening. But I mean, who knows? I might be wrong. Um but even then, I just can't really see us buy, being able to buy anyone who's going to make an impact up front because we don't have any money and we're shit at scouting players, clearly. Um, so, yeah, I don't. I, I, my expectations are very low. I, I do think, though, or I hope, it's probably I hope more than I think, is that I think, I hope, <laughs> that we, could, might, we might start to hear more about him packing it in. Uh, and I know there's been some mummers recently again, links with uh, is it Bellon, um, who owns the deck, so um, and things like that. I know there's nothing, nothing to it and stuff. But there's various things, you know. There's there's been rumours of resurfacing again, and I think um, maybe next year might be the year that he. I said before I thought he would sell by November, it didn't happen. But I I think he, I think his time is. Uh, his, his, his days are numbered. I think he's he's, he's going to go soon. Is my opinion or my hope? I'll, I'll tell you. Yeah, I'll tell you the one thing I don't want to see in the next three months is a new deal for AVB. I, 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 exactly. I'm, yeah. I'm very worried because they all again as you know you, you don't hear from him for three months. You think oh the problem is you've got people on social media moaning like why doesn't he step up and, and complain about Chopin and shit and he, he so he doesn't do that but he opens his mouth to come out with more dross about how he's a visionary fucking um, management expert and he's been to Harvard and all this shit. It's like, mate, shut up. But you also, he, he made a couple of statements the other day and he, one of them was, oh, yeah, um, you know, when, when we extended Gus's contract, I, I wouldn't hesitate to have done it again. I still think it was the right thing to do. And, and that just points towards him extending AVB. And it's like, what the fuck? You know, if if we fade in so our I mean, that to me pointed towards him being insane more than anything. 
Yeah, I mean that's yeah. If you I think that's what you mean as well, I hope you're wrong. Um, yeah, so yeah, hopefully these guys. Uh, I mean, I, we we can only hope that these guys are out. Um, I know AVB was a lot of people really loved them and stuff, but yeah, I don't know. The, it seems like the excitement's kind of died down, doesn't it? Um, I, that's a lot we've covered tonight. It's a really long episode, so I think we'll probably say good night and and wrap it up. Thanks very much, guys. Um, that was kind of fun to reflect on, to it, on, on the last few yeah, months. I wish I could say it's been a pleasure. But, <laughs> but let's hope for um, better things in 2021. Yeah, I, th- I think a lots of people, well, everyone all over the world has got um, hopes for 2021. So um, as a Marseille fan as well, let's hope 2021 could be a bit of an improvement on the last year. Um, so, yeah, thanks very much, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Um, and I guess, yeah, just worth highlighting, we'll probably podcast after the, the Trophée des Champions, which is on the 13th, isn't it? Because there's only going to be one other game before then. Yeah, that would um, be make more sense, yeah. So hopefully we have a trophy, even though it's, you know, it's a fucking pub trophy, but hopefully we can beat PSG again, but it's not looking <laughs> very likely. No. <laughs> right, cheers, guys. Take care. Good night. Yeah.